Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garman. And I'm Drew Evans. Drew, we've got another week of regionals results to break down. I always really look forward to these episodes every year. You know, we cover a lot of topics uh, on this show and we've had a lot of really interesting guests. But at the end of the day, what we're all here to talk about is mock trial and mock trial results and who's moving on to orcs. And, uh, you know, it's been really fascinating this year having these geographically neutral orcs or, or regionals that lead to orcs and really just having some new things to look at and new uh, matchups to take a look at. So I'm really excited and uh, looking forward to breaking down week two with you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that this year is definitely a more exciting to review than in the past. I think that um, while we do often say, you know, kind of, oh, okay, usual suspects, you have teams you'd expect to make it through are, um, I love the fact that we're getting to say teams from across the country um, are making it through and, and we're getting matchups that we would never get to see before. So it's definitely exciting. And to your point, Ben, I couldn't enjoy breaking down regionals with anyone else. And definitely it is a highlight of the year when we get to go through these. Um, but without further ado, I think let's just let's dive right into it. Um, Sounds good to me. Let's do it. So Regional 2A, and this is in the Lacrone Loop Midlands. Um, going to try to keep track of those. But starting at first out was UCLA A with eight wins, followed by UVA B with seven wins and a CS of 11 and a half. And I'm going to go this far, an OCFs of 75 and a half, because followed by them was University of Pennsylvania A with seven wins and a CS of 11 and a half. And an OCS of just 74. That was one and a half points, the difference between second and third. Um, Illinois A with seven wins again, but a CS of 10 and a half. And finally, fifth was South Carolina C with six wins and a CS of 14. We also had three teams that were the honorable mentions of five wins and up. Uh, Kennesaw State A with five wins and a CS of 18 and a half. Emory C with five wins and a CS of 18. Vanderbilt C with five wins and a CS of 17. Um, I think that for the most part, this is what I, I would have expected with kind of one exception. Um, Rochester A, I think they're you know one of those top couple teams that I would have guessed was going to make it out. But I, I will admit that I think UCLA and UVA were, were clearly the top two. They were the one and two seed here to make it out. Um, Penn A, I, I've worked with them a little bit. That's the team that my brother's on. They had a wonderful showing. They should be really pleased. Um, Illinois A, you know, they've seemed like they've been really strong lately. They took a ballot off UVA, clearly a very strong program. In South Carolina, they're showing up as a very deep program. I think that we're going to hear their name a few more times. And let me tell you, I, I said it, I think, last year or the year before that. South Carolina is good. They are really, really strong. Um, they Their coaches are, are working hard over there. They've got some strong, young talent. I think South Carolina is a team to watch. Um, but Ben, what else you notice here? Yeah, I think you mostly covered everything. I agree about South Carolina. I've mentioned on here a couple of times that I repped down there a couple of years in a row, and I felt like I could see uh, that they were kind of growing and, and putting things together. And, you know, certainly not to suggest that they're the only team in the South. There are many, many really great teams in the South. You have your your Emory's and your Georgia Tech's and so many other teams. But South Carolina, they've really put their name out there over the last couple of years. Uh, I agree with you about UCLA and UVA. Obviously, UCLA A going 8-0. I feel like this is similar to what we mentioned about Rhodes last weekend, that it's not really that noteworthy to mention UCLA A going 8-0 at regionals. It would be noteworthy if they didn't. <laughs> um, and then obviously UVA B just right there behind UVA A. I mean, we think UVA B was the team that not that long ago was getting the Nationals bid for that program. Uh, so certainly not a surprise to see that as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you basically covered it. That's really awesome that your brother's uh, Penn team got through. Penn is such an interesting program, right? Because you like, I mean, you obviously, when you competed at Haverford, you were a little further north mm -hmm. than us here in Baltimore. But I feel like, and we're going to get into this a little bit later in the episode, but with, with the Ivies, right? <laughs> I'm always kind of like, 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 am I glad to see that Ivies are doing well? I was going to say sure, but honestly, no, because like, I get it. Like you guys are really good. And I like, I, I don't say that in a malicious way. I have a ton of respect for those programs, but it's like, do we need more good teams in the, in this region? Like, I just, I really don't think we do. Um, But no, I, I think that this was a really interesting regional and Illinois. The last thing I'll mention is Illinois, I think uh, is representative of a trend we're seeing of Midwest schools who are doing very well so far. Um, 
I think I'm really excited for what this year's orcs are going to mm-hmm. tell us. And, and I'll go back to a point I made last week that I hope we've got three ballots at orcs because you're seeing a cluster of power from, I, I feel like there's almost like four clusters of power in AMTA right now The mm-hmm. sort of the, the West powers, the Midwest powers, the Northeast powers and the South powers. Um, I basically just covered the four regions of the United States. Um, <laughs> and, and so, right. It's like, there are, there are four, as I'm going through this, I'm like, look, there's a larger point here. My point is I'm super excited to see if one particular geographic region kind of pulls ahead uh, when we get the results of who goes to nationals. Well, and I think this is such a good point because I think it's easy, you know, we're two East, East coast guys that are mostly Northeast, but kind of more like, DC area for the most part. And I think that we often talk about thinking that we think the East coast is, is, you know, gets underserved and has the toughest orcs. Um, but I think that this will be the great reckoning. You know, this is the year where we find out and we've talked about it a lot before, but I'm, I'm just so excited to see how those orcs results results go down. Um, I will just give this last shout out to, to Penn. Um, they had a, a matchup with Rochester in round three, and they essentially um, ended what is a, a very strong program in Rochester's uh, look on, on moving forward. You know, Rochester has been kind of petering for the last few years, um, but I think this is now two years in a row of them not making it out of regionals, and that is a, a tough pill to swallow for them. So I, I hope to see them get back on track, but I'm happy to see Penn moving forward, and congratulations to them. Um, but other than that, Ben, I think good to move on. Yeah, and I'll say this last thing on Rochester, and then let's move on. I, you know, the first time we made Nats in, in 2017 was the year that Rochester got two teams through. Um, and we, I mean, we had so much, so much respect for them. And then the following year, um, in 2018, they were one of the teams that we split with in the great Lancaster bloodbath of 2018. Um, I don't think NYU calls it that, but it was mostly their fault that the rest <laughs> of us call it that. Um but no, and that Rochester team was really good, just like rock solid in everything that they did. And I hope to see that program kind of come back up on the rise in the future, because I think they've got a lot of really great fundamentals there. But moving us forward, let's go ahead and move forward to Regional 2B. I will take a cue from my co-host here and take a look and see this one was hosted by Penn State in Hendricksville Midlands. I feel like that's got to be a reference of some kind. <laughs> I don't specifically... Uh, okay, we had... Matthew Islick and Kevin Solove were the reps at this regional, and I think they've both been doing this for a little while. So I feel like that must be a reference to something that was probably before our time, Drew. Yeah, I, I don't recognize a Hendricksville Midlands, but I mean, Hendricks is a name that we've heard enough that I, it's probably somewhere in the archives. That's true. It could be a Dylan Hendricks pun. I, I really don't know. But the teams that got out of this regional, we had Northwestern A with eight wins in a 17 CS, Clark A, six wins in a 15 CS. Illinois C, six wins in a 12 and a half CS. South Carolina B, six wins in a 12 CS. Tufts C, five and a half wins and a 21 and a half CS. SUNY Binghamton A, five and a half wins and 19 CS. And then the honorable mention was Pace A with five and a half wins and a 15 CS. So Drew, I feel like with so many of these regionals, you kind of start at the top and, and the top is often not that surprising. This is another one of those to me where Northwestern A going 8-0, just, you know, not yeah. that shocking. They're just a really good team. They had a very strong uh, invitational season. More Northwest or more, I said Northwest because I was thinking Northwestern, more Midwest <laughs> teams doing well because uh, you also had Illinois C here as well. Uh, Tufts C making it through with a 21 and a half CS. That is one of the highest bid cs's yeah i think i've seen so far you feel like i don't feel like we've had hardly any bid cs's that started with a two no uh which again is is not a coincidence like if you play weaker teams you got a better shot to get through (laughs) so good on tough c to power through with that high of a cs um and you know beyond that i i think you know you had a couple i mean pace a and lasalle a got a couple of those sort of smaller pennsylvania schools mm-hmm. who kind of fluctuate you know a couple years ago lasalle was within a point or two of making it to nationals pace was a team that was through to orcs for a year or two in a row um so i think you know you, i always keep an eye on there's that cluster of schools in mm-hmm. in pennsylvania not just the philadelphia ones but the ones outside of philly that are always kind of interesting to me to track 
but that's kind of everything I noticed here. What did you pick up on? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll first start with where you left off. LaSalle and Pace, those are teams that we're very familiar with. Pace is out in New York and LaSalle in, in the greater Pennsylvania Right, area. right. Thanks. Right. Yeah, Pace in New York. Right. Yeah. But um, those are teams that we see a lot. They're strong programs. Tough to see them uh, not make it out. I think Pace at five and a half wins, I'd expect them to make it off the open bid list. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad you highlighted Illinois. I mean, we just were talking about Illinois A in in regional 2A, and now we see their C team also coming in with six wins. Um, Illinois is not a program that I feel like routinely sends multiple teams to work, so good on them to have a C team going through. That's huge. Um, Tough C, on the other hand, is a program that we've seen be really deep for a while now, so I'm not shocked by the fact that they made it through, but to your point, the 21.5 CS cannot go unnoticed. That is a really tough record, and I think what's so interesting about it is that they faced almost exclusively teams that are also moving on. So if you mm-hmm. look at who they played, they faced University of South Carolina in the first round. And what's crazy is those two wins that they had were the only two losses South Carolina had the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. They then went on to face uh, 1149 was uh, Temple, who was a 3-4-1, which is the only thing that didn't make it out. Um, but still, a, you know, that's a strong team. I mean, that's not a bad team. They won by 30, and they tied the other ballot. So, I mean, you can extrapolate from that what you will. Um, then they obviously faced Northwestern in their round three, and that was their two losses. Um, but finally, round four, they hit Rochester, um, which was a 4-4 four four team, which was a solid team. I mean, this is not an easy path, and they had to push their way through it. So congratulations to Tough C. That is a tough, tough showing. Uh, the only one that I wanted to mention is another C team, this one from Wesleyan. Now, I think that a C team going 3-4-1, and one, um, which Wesleyan did, is not necessarily uh, like bad, and it shouldn't be seen as bad. But Wesleyan has been so deep for so many years now. I feel like for the last two or three years, they've been routinely getting three teams to Orcs that it was a little bit surprising to see their C team not make it through. But as we'll find out later, um, some of their other teams picked up the slack a little bit. Uh, the only other team I did want to mention is just uh, Georgia Tech B. Um, I was a little surprised Georgia Tech B, I feel like has been pretty strong usually. And we usually expect Georgia Tech to make, uh, get you know two teams through to Orcs. But their, their B team had a really rocky first day going 0-4, um, and that kind of eliminated them from the competition. But uh, other than that, I, I do think this was mostly scratch. Um, you know, As you noted, Northwestern A is just – they were showing off a little bit. Clark A has been been pretty solid getting to, uh, to works for a little while now, and the rest are all – those are all solid programs. Binghamton, you know, Tufts, South Carolina. Yep. Anything else? Yeah, just one or two more things. I, I... – so Clark is such an interesting one. This is an odd um, sort of deep cut reference, but way, way back in 2015, the first year that we ever made orcs, um, it was a team of just like kind of scrappy people. That was the year. I think I've told the story on the podcast that there was a foot of snow in Baltimore and like, it was just, it was a, it was a wild year. And that team went to orcs and drew Clark in the first round and I think we took like a plus two, plus one on Clark. Uh, and I've always just kind of had this like appreciation for them that I know like the first round we ever played at Orcs in our program's history uh, was against Clark. I know they're a very good school. I think they're they're up closer uh, to the Northeast in like Massachusetts and that area. But I think they're one, they kind of come and go a little bit, probably in part, and this is not a shot at them, but in a normal year, they would probably be at a regional with like, a team from Yale and a team from Brown and a team from Harvard. And not that this was an easy regional by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it shows that you probably have teams up in that area in the sort of Boston, greater Boston area, like Clark that are very good that might just occasionally struggle to do as well as they might normally just because of the power that exists in that area. And then you mentioned Georgia tech B and the only other thing I will add to that is uh, Georgia tech B played if i recall correctly and i'm looking at the tab summary here i believe they played northwestern in round one and it was a plus four plus one for northwestern so georgia tech b clearly a very strong team and then in round two they hit rochester and was this um this is still rochester a right this was yeah this was i think rochester b okay yeah and and it's a brutal Minus three, minus three. Rochester and it's like, C for the record, actually. Ro- okay, Rochester C. And so you think like, 
what a total of 11 points yeah and that's it you know you go in four and then you're done and, and and that's just a brutal first day and it's just one of those things where that team probably deserved better not to say that the teams that beat them didn't deserve to win but that team probably deserved better than to not you know to go three four and one but just or three and five but just had a really tough day one yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that um, while you were talking about Clark and talking about the, the Yale area, I definitely had flashbacks to uh, 2018 and, and what happened with Clark and Yale um, in that regionals and Clark oh, kind right. of knocking them out. And then yeah. Yale, of course, coming back in Orcs and facing them in round one again um, and getting the wins. But it was, uh, I, I think you're right about that. I think that Clark, as well as a lot of other of those like Northeast teams that are just getting buried. Um, I'm excited to see how they do. I think that this is a good showing from them and there are a lot of others just like them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how, again, how the rest of these regionals pan out. In that spirit, let's keep moving on to look at the rest of those regionals. So next we have regional 2C and this was in the third national bank of Midlands, which I have a very close relationship with the third national bank of Midlands as it was my nationals case um, that I did when I was in, uh, uh, in 2018. Um, so moving right along to our results, we had Notre Dame A with eight wins and a CS of 17, UC Davis A with six and a half wins and a CS of 12 and a half, Lafayette A with six wins and a CS of 18 and a half, Florida A with six wins and a CS of 17 and a half, followed by Michigan State B with six wins and a CS of 16 and a half, and then finally Northwestern D with five and a half wins and a CS of 15 and a half. I feel like I was just going down the numbers there. Um, we also had an honorable mention in the University of Massachusetts at Amherst with five wins and a CS of 17 and a half. Now, I, I want to note, just starting out, what an impressive showing from Notre Dame. Um, I think that Florida A was probably the expected kind of top dog in this regional, the same way that you had uh, Northwestern and UCLA and the other two. Um, but Notre Dame faced Florida in round two and swept them and then went on to face Lafayette in round three and swept Lafayette too. So, I mean, this is a very impressive showing from Notre Dame. I don't remember last time I saw an eight-win team with a CS of 17 at regionals. That's just it's not very common. You know, you, because of power protection in the round four, you normally don't have that high of a CS from them. But look, I mean, that is a really, really impressive showing we have another uh, West Coast team in UC Davis um, having an impressive showing. Um, and, uh, like Other than that, though, I do feel like this was mostly scratched. There wasn't any teams that I kind of expected to make it out that didn't. Um, I, I will just add that Northwestern D, I mean, that is, you know, the, we just mentioned their A team, but even their D team making it through, that is just a deep powerhouse program. Um, but other than that, Ben, I, I didn't see a whole lot of uh, surprises. Um Maybe there's something I'm missing, though. What you got? This is a tough regional. Yeah, like, it was. There's some really good... When you think... When you look at a regional in Florida A is... Yeah, I mean, we were talking last week about Florida E. And for Florida A to be the fourth bid out of a regional, that tells you how deep and tough of a regional this was. Uh, I agree with your analysis. Um, I will mention Lafayette, who I think is a program who's like... You know, we... So they knocked us out... In 2018, and then that year, they were in a bid determinative round in round four to go to the national championship against Miami. Miami beat them up pretty good in that round, but they had a very strong showing at nationals that year. And since then, have kind of been, you know, like they've been good. And then, like, I think they were at Orcs, but they haven't really pushed to nationals again. And to see them with a very strong showing at six wins is, mm -hmm. um, and I think one of their losses to notre dame was a one point yep. loss if yep. i recall correctly uh yeah 22 and a one because you know <laughs> judging who knows right. um <laughs> which was the right one <laughs> yeah it just like flip a coin who I, nobody has any clue but uh no that like that's a very impressive showing from them so you just you have such a fascinating mix here this is i feel like a perfect example of why this year's regional setup is fun mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. you have a midwest power and not a traditional, I mean, Notre Dame's usually very good, but they're, you know, they're not on the level of like Chicago, no. but to go eight and oh, then you have UC Davis from all the way on the West Coast, mm -hmm. Lafayette from all the way on the East Coast and Florida from all the way down South. And, and then you toss in Michigan State Northwestern and, and you continue to see that trend of Midwest teams. I and mean, you think three of the six here are, are Midwest teams. So 
I, I think this regional just tells us that like orcs this year are going to be kind of chaotic. I mean, orcs are always chaotic, but in the sense that just things are going to be unpredictable, you know, Michigan state B kind of sneaks in there. Uh, People, I think when they think of Michigan, the state of Michigan, they think of Michigan first and then probably Michigan state, but Michigan state B had a very strong showing here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And I will be fascinated to see how teams like that, you know, we discussed Wheaton last weekend and uh, Michigan state B could be another example of that to see how they fare at orcs. Um, and then I will also mention um, UMass Amherst C uh, mm-hmm. was the uh, the honorable mention team here. And they went five wins with a CS of 17, which or 17 and a half, which would have gotten them a bid at almost every single other regional. Um, like most of the other regionals had five win teams and they did not have 17 and a half CSs. Uh, UMass Amherst is just an intriguing program. And their A team we already talked about, like they're, they're good. They're very good. And to see their C team, you know, obviously they probably won't be eligible for an open bid because presumably A and B will get through. But I mean, if they were, that would probably be a pretty high up on the open bid list that I definitely noticed that um, in terms of a program to pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of were hitting on this at the end, but I've been struck so far at how few five win teams there have been. I don't know what to really make of that, but I just feel like I'm seeing so many teams with six wins. I mean, I rattled off three in a row that were all separated by just one CS point each in Lafayette, Florida, and Michigan State. But I, I don't know. I'm just seeing this trend of six wins being six or even seven wins if you look back at the 2A. But it's really a lot of these six wins, seven win teams. Um, five wins is not – like I feel like it used to always mean, okay, yeah, you're going to make it out of that region. Um, but I feel like that's to the point you were just making. I haven't seen a lot of five win teams get a straight through bid and there just haven't been that many. So kind of an interesting thing to kind of keep in our minds moving forward. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's certainly, uh, I was talking about this with a couple of my coaches recently, you know, three years ago when we hosted our first regional, we had nine bids because mm. we had 30 teams. It's like wild. it, well, I think, I think we had nine bids until the last minute and we lost one because I think we went down or something, but like there were years. You know, I know one of the California regionals had nine bids because um, there were just so many teams. I think it was like a 32 bit, 32 team regional. And, you know, again, and it's not like nothing's unfair this year. There's plenty of bids available. But with these smaller regionals, your margin for error is is significantly lower. It's interesting. Moving us along, let's talk about regional 2D. Let's see here. Let me scroll up to the top. All right. I'm familiar with this location. Regional 2D takes place in the chaotic scene of Midlands Television Studios Midlands. I feel like that was a a cramped regional that smelled of chicken wings. Um, Turns out the chicken, in fact, did change the chimp. Um, So going through our, uh, there's going to be, half of our listeners are going to be like, what the hell is he talking about? Um, Trust me, it's better you don't know. So uh, rolling down our list of winners here, we have, we'll start at eight wins with Patrick Henry C, eight wins and a 12 CS. Then we had Washington and Lee A with seven and a half wins and a 14 and a half CS. Temple A, six and a half wins and a 14 and a half CS. Columbia A, six wins and a 17 CS. Duke B, six wins and a 13 CS. And Ohio State B, five wins and a 15 and a half CS. And then we had two five win honorable mentions Yukon A, five wins and a 15 and a half CS. And Fordham Rose Hill B, five wins and a 14 CS. I think the. Notable thing here is the obvious thing here. Patrick Henry C goes 8-0. Again, a 12 CS isn't super high, but they got that 8-0 by sweeping Columbia A. And this is not, and this is not a shot at Columbia A, but this isn't the era of Columbia when they were threatening to be in the national championship. But they're a very, very good team. You know, it was just two years ago that we split with them at, at nationals in Philly. And to see Patrick Henry C just kind of cruise through this field and sweep Columbia A is absolutely notable uh, on that front. And just something that, I mean, Patrick Henry, we talk about them a fair amount just because they're kind of like equidistant between, you know, Philly and Baltimore. But that's that's an impressive showing from them. Um, Washington and Lee has had a very good invitational season. They're one of those interesting programs that I think there was a couple of years where they were at nationals regularly. We hit them at Orcs, I think, three years ago, and they were very good. 
uh, and they're they're in such an interesting location, kind of you know down there with like UVA and and those folks, and and that's a very impressive showing from them to go seven and a half. Uh, and then beyond that, I mean, Duke B getting through, Ohio State B getting through, like nothing particularly surprising there. Uh, anything else uh, on this one, Drew, that you noticed? I think that you, for the most part, covered it. I would add um, Temple at six and a half wins, and that, that, that's a pretty strong showing from them. Temple is one of those weird programs where I remember my like freshman and sophomore year, Temple was very strong. They were probably arguably the strongest team in the local Philadelphia area, they're stronger than UPenn and they're stronger than us um, or like Drexel or anyone else. And then for a little while, they kind of fell off um, as, as Haverford was kind of on the rise. Temple kind of was in, in a bit of a downward spiral. And I feel like recently they've started to creep back up. And this is a strong showing for me. That was a six and a half, but they had some solid wins. Um, they beat they beat UConn, who is one of those honorable mention teams. Um, I think that this is a, a decent team, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do. I'm glad you brought up uh, brought up Columbia. Um, look, I mean, Columbia is always just really, really strong. I don't think this is quite the Rachel Summers Columbia that we came to know, but it is definitely a, a still a strong program. And while I do think that they would have been expected to be the team to beat there, um, Patrick Henry C is is. Probably the only team that can have a C team go eight and zero, and and me be like, yep, yeah, no, that's that's Patrick Henry. Um, that's that's what they do. Um, they they send five teams to regionals, and they usually get you know forty wins out of it. So <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, I think that you covered it for the most part. It's it's mostly scratch, mostly kind of what I would have expected. Um, I will just because I mentioned the uh, Georgia Tech B team that we were just talking about had kind of a rough showing. Um, this Georgia Tech D team. Um, four and four at the CS of nineteen um, had a pretty strong, uh, a bit of a stronger performance um, than their B team, um, and, and I think that Georgia Tech, you know, they they kind of were really strong for a while, and I'm I'm intrigued to see how they do as they're kind of they just graduated a lot of those seniors. You saw a bunch of them compete at one last time. I'm intrigued to see how this program is uh, is doing now that they've graduated a lot of what their their continually national nationals runners. Um, now that they've kind of graduated, now I, I'm just intrigued to see how they'll end up doing. Um, but other than that, I, I do think we've covered it. Yeah, and the one thing I'll add, and then we should move on, is it, it is super interesting what you were talking about with the Philadelphia area teams. Because mm-hmm. when UMBC was starting to get better, we didn't have any money to go anywhere. And we went to a lot of teams in Philly, a lot of tournaments in Philly. So oh, every year. Wait, I was going to say, we have to mention, the time that you and I first met, do you remember where we were? I do. Temple. We were Temple at Temple. There you go. Yep. We were at the Hooter Invitational, the which Hooter, let me just say, Invitational. back in the day, the Hooter Invitational was a trip. Like they, <laughs> I loved that tournament. Those all owl of the, trophies. The, and the owl puns. Yeah. They're all oh, of their team yeah. names. I remember one year we were, they were all Nickelodeon, like cartoon shows. And we were Ed, Ed and Owlie, <laughs> which is a little bit of a stretch. Um, but then I think one year we were like the Peep Owls Court or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what? I'm going to say this very briefly about Temple and then we should move on. Uh, I remember the first year that we did well at their Invitationals, the second or third year we went. It's when you beat me. And in their – what would you say? <laughs> I said it's when you beat me. <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you did. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but so – and in our ballots, I remember they gave us each a thank you card. And they said, we really appreciated you coming. It was really nice to have you all here. And I used to just love the the spirit of their tournament. Their tournament used to be one of my favorites that it would just, it felt very, it was competitive and it was at, a, I mean, it was at Temple Law School, which is absolutely beautiful, um, but it was just fun, right? And like, it, I remember we would go to Temple's tournament, which was great. I remember we used to go to Drexel's tournament, which was great. We used to go to Penn's tournament, which was not that great um (laughs) but like we went there and had rounds in broom closets and things like that but like it it, like i really have a lot of affection for all of those pennsylvania tournaments and and then we started going to haverford's tournament as well um and just like thinking about you know we haven't been back to any of those with the exception of of haverford's tournament in recent years but there's some really really historically good programs up there and i'm glad to see temple doing well i'm glad to see um Penn doing well and I hope that you know Drexel and Haverford and all those programs continue to do well 
Yeah, well, enough of us talking about the Northeast people are groaning from their side. <laughs> Everyone just turned right. off the podcast. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, moving right along, we are going to Regional 2E. And as we just heard in 2D, what Ben was mentioning was in the uh, Midlands Television Studio. This regional, we get a little bit closer in, and we go to Elias's Cage, Midlands, which I love that that is uh, perceived to be a city in Midlands, Oof. Elias's Cage. Not a city I'd want to spend a lot of time in. But um, moving to the results, we had UMass Amherst A, which Ben, you referenced earlier, but they were at eight wins with a CS of 14 by Florida State A with six wins and a CS of 18 and a half. Then Patrick Henry A with six wins and a CS of 18, followed by Iowa A with six wins and a CS of 17. Then St. Louis A with six wins and a CS of 11 and a half. And then finally Washington University St. Louis C with five wins and a CS of 18. Um, and finally, we also had our honorable mention team in SUNY Binghamton B with five wins and a CS of 11 and a half. Um, wow, that is a lot of strong A-teams. I just like, mm-hmm. in reading them off, I was like, um, excuse me? Like, that's just tough. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, we just mentioned Patrick Henry C going 8-0. Uh, you know, Patrick Henry A going 6-2 and is almost a little bit surprising. Um, I will give the... The brief shout out to Florida State for for having that first round draw with Patrick Henry and them splitting that round plus eleven uh, minus two in favor of uh, Florida State. That is, uh, you don't see Patrick Henry losing by by double digits very often, so that's good on them. Um, but I mean, UMass Amherst A at eight wins, obviously very impressive as you had cited before, Ben. I think it is worth noting that UMass Amherst team did not win a ballot by less than ten the whole time. They won every single round by double digits on both ballots. That's pretty impressive. Um, and it wasn't like they had a horrible CS. I mean, I don't think that they faced, again, they didn't face Florida State or uh, Patrick Henry or Iowa, but that's not, I mean, that's not an, it, like, look, if you're winning that ballots by that much, clearly you're doing something right. So good on them um, for a very, very impressive showing. Like I said, Florida State, Patrick Henry, strong. Iowa, I mean, Iowa, I think, was a team that I definitely had some question marks around just because, you know, I I feel like Iowa used to be one of those, like, automatic to nationals teams. And then, like, lately it's been kind of more wavery. Um, but I think that this was a pretty strong showing from them at 6-2. and two. Um, And then Washington St. Louis C. I mean, that's a, a, a strong program. I think getting a C team through is always worth noting. Um, and they had a, a tough schedule, so good on them to make it through here. I... Don't think there's a ton else to note, um, but Ben, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. What do you think? Yeah, I think you basically hit everything. Uh, when I was looking at notes for this particular regional, I noticed the same thing. I'm just like, there's a lot of really good A teams here. Um, you know, I mean, you have a interesting geographic range of top teams here. I, I mean, this is really the only regional I can think of so far where the first five bids were all A teams. There, there might be others, but I feel like this regional is fairly unique uh, that you had five consecutive A teams, mm-hmm. the first four of which from, you know, really, really excellent programs. And, and then St. Louis, who I think is, is solid. And, you know, you really just saw a fascinating, you know, I mean, I think you mentioned it that, Florida State and Patrick Henry split. Uh, and then in round three, Patrick Henry and Iowa played each mm-hmm. other and had a one and two point split. Wow. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that round. Yeah. Uh, have an Iowa, a perennial nationals team, Patrick Henry, a perennial nationals team coming from very different areas of the country, <laughs> playing very different styles of mock trial, uh, but both very friendly, likable teams. And that just, those are the types of matchups that we're getting this year that, I mean, that's the type of round that you could see in a movers round, round three at NCT and not be surprised at all. Absolutely. Uh, so to see that round being so close at regionals of all places, mm-hmm. it's, it really changes. We've talked about this before, so I don't want to, you know, beat a dead topic, but it, it, it really changes the feel of regionals that you get these fascinating matchups that could be previews of, you know, April quality uh, trials. Yeah. And that's a trial I really would have 
love to see. Um, you mentioned UMass Amherst and their plus 132 point differential. I do think, and this is not a shot at them. I have endless respect for them. I think their 14 CS doesn't quite reflect the, the softness of their schedule. Yeah, I think they had a pretty soft schedule, but also they they won a ton during the invitational season. So it's like you can only beat the teams you play. No one should, you know, knock them. I mean, I think what happened was Florida State and Patrick Henry drew each other in round one, split, and then UMass Amherst is off to the races and has no chance to hit either of those teams the rest of the tournament because they just kept winning. So that's just kind of the nature of how regionals things go. And this is a super fascinating regional, and I will be really interested interested to see how each of these teams perform at Oryx now that we've seen most of them, you know, have to play each other at a really tough regionals. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that this one just, wow, like I, I, I still am just marveling at, at what a strong regional this was and how tough it was. I think it's interesting, you know, if we assume that Patrick Henry A is stronger than Patrick Henry C, which... I think is a fair assumption, but I will just admit that like Patrick Henry is so deep. That's not always fair to assume like thinking about the fact that they had these two close, close splits with teams here. And then their C team ran all over the the last regional. Um, it is, I mean, just reflective of just how close and how tight of a regional this was. And again, I mean, to have four teams all at six wins and three of them be separated by less than two CS points. I mean, this is just, a really tight, really close regional and a lot of fun to watch the results pour in from. Um, but I think that we mostly covered it, Ben. If you want to move on, I think that we should keep on going. All right. Sounds great. Good. We've got three left. So let's go ahead and roll through them. And we're going to move to uh, regional 2F, which took place in the Midlands Unified School District. We've got all kinds of uh, <laughs> interesting places. Although, to be fair, I would prefer the Midlands Unified School District to Elias's Cage. This is very true. Uh, which, if you stop and think about it for a second, is a fairly dark place to hold a regional. Uh, but moving us <laughs> forward, our results, we had uh, the Bears of UC Berkeley uh, with eight wins and a 16.5 CS. Then we had Wesleyan D with seven wins and a 14 CS. Cornell College A with six wins and a 16 and a half CS. Cornell University A with six wins and a 16 and a half CS. Because it wasn't confusing enough to have both Cornells in one regional. They had to go and win the same number of ballots with the same CS. And then you had Wash U St. Louis B with six wins and a 16 CS. And Dickinson A with six wins and a 15 CS. Two honorable mentions to mention here. The first one actually being a six win honorable mention. That's Ohio A, six wins and a 13 CS. And then the other honorable, honorable mention was Haverford A with five wins and a 15 CS. A couple of things that I will note here. Uh, UC Berkeley is good. I know that is breaking news really? to all of our listeners, but it turns out they're pretty freaking good at this activity. Uh, to go 8-0 with a plus 123 point differential, including sweeps of the third team out and the fifth, fifth team out. So there is nothing soft about that schedule. They went... 8-0 and with a 16.5 CS and 123-point differential and basically just dominated the rest of the field and just swept everybody aside. <laughs> That's, uh, like, we knew they were going to be good, but aside from they had a, uh, in round three, the 1464, which is Cornell College, they had a two-point win and a 16-point win. That was literally the only time they probably even, you know, broke a sweat this entire weekend. So good on them. I... I mean, I'll say this and, and maybe I shouldn't, but like, if you said to me right now, put a hundred bucks down on who's going to win the national championship, I think I'd probably put it on Berkeley. Yeah, like, man. I, I mean, there's I lots of other that. contenders, but I mean, just who else has had as strong of a season from start to finish as Berkeley? I, I, I just, there are lots of teams who are in that contention, but in terms of someone who jumps off the, the list, I think they might be the team. Uh, Wesleyan D, not just getting a bid, but getting a the second bid out of this regional. We faced them. Uh, my B team was at this regional, and we faced them, and they're very good. They're just smart and sharp, and they play likable mock trial in the way that Wesleyan always does. Um, I'll give a quick shout-out to my B team here. My B team is is real young this year. We haven't really talked about this on the podcast, but you know we're usually a three-team three program, and about a month ago now we actually folded our C team just because it was a really tough year. We're a smaller program and, and we had a lot of attrition this year with the challenges of virtual mock trial. 
And so our B and C sort of became one team. And this B team, you know, fought their hearts out this weekend and had, I believe, the highest CS of the entire weekend at 23 facing multiple teams that got out. Uh, and then going into day two, they, they had a two and two record. They had a shot to get out and they lose four single digit ballots to two teams who got bids. Um, so I'm just really proud of them. You know, I, I we've talked before. I don't try to talk too much about my own program, but that B team, they're young, they're smart, they're super talented, they work their asses off. And I, I'm really proud of them. And I'm super excited to see, you know, what the future holds for each one of them. Uh, and then the last thing I'll mention, and then Drew, I'll pass it over to you. Uh, Cornell A, uh, they grabbed the fourth bid out of here, which means that Cornell will again have two teams at Orcs, uh, you know, unlike last year when they didn't field teams. That's super interesting. It's very interesting to see uh, them sort of returning to some semblance of their former glory from just a couple of years ago. Drew, what'd you see here? Well, this was the regional that Haverford A was at, so I was following it fairly closely. Um, I do know a lot of people on that team, and I'm friends with them, and very pleased to see them getting on that honorable mention list. Um, I think that they were probably hoping to get a straight bid, but you know, can't can't complain too much. Um, look, first of all, to the Berkeley point, um, I, I agree with you. I think that you know we talked a lot when UCLA and UC Berkeley faced each other um, for the Great Chicago Fire. Uh, final round, which you know we kind of talk about as a preview to nationals. Um, I've seen UC Berkeley go, and like they're good, they're really, really good. Um, so I'm not surprised at all to see them at the top. I kind of knew going into this, this, they were the team you did not want to face. I will say that Cornell, um, I think that Cornell obviously going six and two is a strong showing. This is a strong program, they have one of the few. Um, all Americans left in the country. Um, but I will say that I was a little surprised um, that they dropped the rounds that they did. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Wesleyan is a really strong program. Um, and that that second round, um, minus four for Cornell, plus two, um, was clearly a very close round that, that Wesleyan um, was able to edge out a ballot on them. And they also dropped one, uh, to to Dickinson College, um, and and Dickinson again is a team that made it through. They were at six wins. Dickinson is is seeming like they're kind of on the rise a little bit right now, but uh, I don't know. I just I kind of would have expected Cornell to be a little stronger. But again, to your point, they didn't even exist last year, so they're definitely getting back on track, and, and that's good to see for them. Um, I guess just to quickly address the Haverford thing. Um, they had a, a, a strong showing, in my opinion. Um, probably not as strong as they would have liked, but you know, I think it's something to be proud of. Five and three is is always a, a solid performance at regionals, and I'm optimistic they'll get off the open bid list. But I will be honest when I say that I haven't been uh, super involved with this team. I've just been very, very distracted trying to run two different teams in two different states for high school, um, and and I think that they're they're very much so growing on their own um, without without me, um, which is good for them. But other than that, I think this was pretty much what we would have expected. Um, I don't think there were any like real big surprises here. Um, although I will say that Ohio A, any team getting six wins and not getting a bid straight through is kind of surprising. Um, I don't remember seeing Ohio A um, at Orcs very much in the past, but I'm certain that they will get off the open bid list if they choose to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's always kind of a surprise. But again, we had another tenant. Another situation where there were four teams with six wins. And what's kind of crazy is that Haverford was the only team with five wins. I mean, I, like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's usually a really common number, but here I guess it was not. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think that's uh, about it for the notables here. I will say the, the Bybus team went six and two, which is kind of wild. But Yeah, it's always fun to see, you know, like, I know they can't, like, give a trophy to the Bybus team, but I was like, sometimes, because a couple of my kids Bybusted mm -hmm. this past weekend, and I was like, you kind of you kind of wish maybe like I mean we had an attorney a couple of years ago win an award on one side for his award and the other side for the buy bus so <laughs> that's you know it, it's yeah it's it's always kind of wild to see a buy bus and I'll shout out the reps from this regional who I think this buy bus was a very very last minute situation and they did a really really great job uh, handling it but Drew I think we've basically hit hit everything here and I think it is your turn to move on to regional two G. All right, so 2G took place in East Midlands City Center. Uh, and this one, just to get to, right to the results, we had Dartmouth A at seven wins and a 14.5 CS, followed by McAllister A with six and a half wins and a 13 CS. 
then GWB with six and a half wins and a 12 and a half CS, then Colorado A with six and a half wins and a 10 and a half CS, then NYUB with six wins and an 18 and a half CS, and then SUNY Albany A with five wins and a 15 and a half CS, and then for our honorable mentions, a heart stopping Northwood A at five wins and a 13 CS, and Cal Poly Slow C with five wins and another 13 CS separated by just a OCS of 72 and a half for Northwood and 63 for Cal Poly. Um, so Northwood, um, the 13 CS sounds really low, like they didn't face good teams, but I think it's important to note that those three losses they had in round one, they went plus 25 minus six in round two, they went plus 19 minus three. And then in round four, it was against UMass Lowell. They went plus 12, minus 1. And that was the difference in them getting uh, a bid or not. Um, I think that Northwood is a team that we all would have expected to go through. They are obviously really, really good. Um, I am a little stunned still to see that they didn't make it through. This is a program that they did just graduate. Um, a couple of really strong members in, um, in Chris Grant. But look, I mean, this is still a... a good team. They still have um, probably the most awarded, um, most decorated uh, witness in the country right now who actually managed not to get an award um, at regionals. But, uh, you know, I, I will give give him the props that he deserves. Um, you know, Northwood's a good team. I, I'm just surprised to see that they didn't make it through. And obviously those splits are are unfortunate. And, uh, and that, that is just tough to see when you have rounds that go like that. But other than them, um, Dartmouth A at seven wins. You kind of mentioned the whole Ivies thing before. Dartmouth, I don't feel like has been a, a crazy powerful program in the past. But now, of course, they come out of nowhere and they're at the top of their regional. So shocking, everyone. Um, but yeah, they they uh, they definitely came out of nowhere, and that's great on them to to do so well. I love seeing McAllister. It's another one of those small schools, and I love seeing them be really successful. Um, GWB though, it's about, about what, you know, you expect They're a strong program. They usually get two teams through, um, and NYUB, I mean, NYU's back on track. They've, they've sorted it out and they are, they are where you expect them to be. So I think that's about it from what I'm noticing. Um, Ben, I'll throw it over to you though. What you see. Yeah. The, I mean, the standout here is, is Northwood. I mean, you mentioned, uh, Simeon Lawrence, who's been just absolutely crushing it this year with, with awards. And I think it, it tells you when you don't see his name on the award list. And we don't, on this podcast, we don't tend to pay a ton of attention to individual awards. At least we don't discuss them in great detail just because we, there's no possible way we could know everyone around the country. Um, but when you see those splits and you see him not on the award list, you know, okay, whatever the judging was at that regional, it just didn't gel with what Northwood was doing. Not that Northwood did anything wrong or bad, but it's just clear that something didn't click there between the judges they had and the style they played. And I really hope, uh, I mean, five wins in a 13 CS is going to be right on the edge probably, but I really, really hope that Northwood gets an open bid to orcs because they almost certainly deserve it. I, I think we can say that. Um, yeah. The Dartmouth point, like, I think you're right. Dartmouth getting two teams through, you just more and more, you just see more great schools getting good at this activity. It'd be fascinating to see, you know, eventually knock on wood in a year or two when we're back in person, you know, just how many schools kind of come out of the woodwork. Uh, and it's a really interesting year. I feel like Dartmouth is one of the only schools that is like kind of new this year. Not that, I mean, they've been doing mock draw for a while, but like to see them emerge as a really strong team mm -hmm. on this year of all years, I feel like that list of teams is very short and that predominantly we're seeing a lot of the traditionally good teams do well. Uh, I wanted to shout out one specific team here and that is the United States Naval Academy. Uh, they're just about 30 minutes down the road in beautiful Annapolis, Maryland. And I have actually been working with them for a couple of years now they started attending trials at Charm City two years ago, uh, and then this year, as a member of the AMTA new program, new school program members mentorship committee, uh, I was assigned to the Naval Academy and have been working with their faculty advisor and their students. And so they went three and five, uh, and they had a student win an individual award. In round four, they also had a minus one ballot, so they were very very close uh, to going four and four, and actually were in the running 
they they went minus one minus twenty three to eleven thirty four who was um Cal Poly uh C. So again, the minus one could flip easily, the minus twenty three perhaps not as much. But you know, like for their first ever year at regionals to be in a round where if those ballots flip, they have a shot to be on the open bid list is a really, really awesome first showing for them. Uh, and I'm super excited for them. I, I love mock trial in the state of Maryland. We don't have a ton of schools in the state of Maryland who do mock trial. I think there's really only four right now. And so I, I'm really excited to see them do well and looking forward to see what they can do in the future. Cause you got to think, with the caliber of student who attends the Naval Academy, they're a team that could be formidable if they really get going in this activity. Uh, only other thing I'll, I'll mention here, you just had some pretty strong B teams. You see GWB, six and a half. We talked a lot last week about NYU, and the NYU's B team goes six wins with an 18 and a half CS, so they're clearly showing up. Uh, SUNY Albany A with five wins gets out. Colorado A with six and a half wins gets out. Uh, so... You had a really interesting geographic mix here, but GWB and NYUB both stood out to me as teams. We've we've played both of those teams plenty of times, and I think those are two programs. I mean, you know, NYU, we talked about last week, GW was probably going to make it to nationals last year. They were, you know, they were the per, the people in pole position for that one open bid that was created. Uh, so I think you had a lot of really good teams who did well at this regional. Yeah, I think that's just about right. Uh, the last thing I will just briefly mention, we kind of talked a lot about Simeon Lawrence and, and Northwood, but it is interesting to me that uh, the lone, you know, double-sided awarded witness was uh, Jake Walters of Northwood. And I'm assuming that being a witness next to Simeon Lawrence, you don't normally get a lot of chances to get awards. So good on him to be squeaking those out. Um and yeah, I, I just I, I want to echo again that I, I do hope that Northwood makes it through. They're such a great team, such a wonderful team to go against, and I have a lot of close friends over there, so I'm hoping to see them make it through. But other than that, I think that we've kind of covered it. And Ben, if you want to move on, last but not least, to two H. Yeah, that that phenomenon of being very good and ne- never winning any awards in my program, we call that Ethan Hudson syndrome. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you sit next to Sid- you know, when you sit next to Sidney Gaskins for two years, you don't tend to win a ton of awards. You do not. Um, but yes, let's uh, move on to our very last regional, and this one took place. We've had a lot of cool locations, but this is my favorite by a healthy margin. This one took place, um, let me pull up the tab summary here, in Neptune Underwater Midlands. Um, most of you probably don't know what that means, but the 2012-2013 case uh, was, uh, I think it was Lee Allen, or Lee Allen died. I think it was Andy Allen versus Neptune Underwater Expeditions. It is my favorite case. It was my senior year case. My younger brother, Zach, who he and I competed together for two years, we had an amazing direct where he was he was a scuba diver instructor with a uh, Australian accent who managed to get out of saying dumb stuff so many times. I still don't understand how he did it, uh, but I love that case, and, and, and I'm very happy to see that reference there. But running down our list of winning teams here, our bidding teams, uh, first we had Georgetown A with eight wins and an 18 CS, then UC Berkeley D, six wins and a 19 CS. Rutgers A, six wins and an 18 and a half CS. Dartmouth B, six wins and a 17 and a half CS. Bowdoin A, five and a half wins and a 17 CS. Hamline A, with five wins and a 17 and a half CS. And then our honorable mention was Arizona State A, with five wins and a 14 CS. A couple quick things to note here. Uh, I'll talk about Georgetown in a second. But first, this is one of the only regionals, it might be the only regional, I feel like, where every single CS appears to be above average. I mean, mm-hmm. when 18, 19, 18 and a half, 17 and a half, 17, 17 and a half, nobody snuck through here. There was no golden staircase at this regional, um, which is good. That's the way that the pairings are supposed to work. All of these teams clearly fought their way through. Uh, Georgetown went 8-0. I mean, Georgetown was scheduled to go to nationals last year. We play them all the time, and they're very good. They play a really I think unique, just kind of clean clinical style of mock trial that just continues to serve them well. Uh, they did have a closer path to eight and zero. They had three, uh, five of their first six wins uh, to get to six and zero were single digit wins, and two of them were plus ones. 
Um, and that's not to take anything away from them. But when you see teams like UMass or Berkeley who are constantly winning double digits, you know, it's, it's worth flagging in terms of kind of evaluating teams. Uh, we already mentioned Dartmouth, but Dartmouth B getting through. Uh, Rutgers A getting through. Rutgers was another team that, that got a bid out of Lancaster last year. Both Rutgers and Georgetown got bids out of Lancaster. Uh, and then uh, I will briefly mention Fordham Rose Hill A, a pretty pretty good New York-based school mm-hmm. that we often face. Uh, they uh, got four and a half wins and a 20 CS, and unfortunately were not able to grab a bid. They were on the honorable mention list, but four and a half is, is probably not going to be good enough this year with only eight orcs. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's basically everything that I noticed here. Drew, anything that you picked up on? Uh, well, just to bring up Fordham Rose Hill, uh, their B team was the honorable mention in 2D with five wins and a CS of 14, so it'll be interesting to see. Again, that's like 14 to me is like right on the borderline. I think if you're 15 and up, knock on wood, I would feel pretty confident. I think 14, 13, like that's going to be where it's going to get a little bit dicey and we'll have to see um, how the next couple weeks go. Um, but I, I'll also add um, the Georgetown A uh, eight wins. Their final round was against UC Berkeley D. Now we've talked a lot about UC Berkeley A, but UC Berkeley D was six and zero going into that round four. And the only reason they're six and two is because they drew Georgetown A in what was clearly a both have already made it through high high pairing um, that you don't often see at regionals, but is the occurrence of when you have two 6-0 teams that have both already qualified and are already clearly going to make it through, and you just have the two of them face it out just for fun, um, and you see Georgetown winning actually both of those by 16 and 15. Um, so it's interesting to me that in their perceived toughest round is when Georgetown really seemed to step it up and and those were not close ballots. Um, so I thought that was just kind of interesting and worth noting. But other than that, I mean, Rutgers, this is a team that's been really, that they were really strong for a while. They grew kind of at the exact same time that, that I was growing and they are right nearby us in New Jersey. So I know them very, very well. They're great people over there. Um, but I, I am intrigued to see how they continue to do moving forward. I think when they graduated a lot of, um, the, the 2019 class, that was kind of a lot of their strength, um, and I think that I'm intrigued to see where they go moving forward. They've they've been consistently making it to to orcs, but seeing whether they can get back to nationals will be interesting for sure. But other than this, I mean, yeah, we, you mentioned Dartmouth earlier. Um, the fact that they've got a not just an A team through, but a B team now too. I'm kind of like, come on, guys, like really, um, gotta be that good. Um, this is your first year back, like really. Uh, but I will also add Arizona State A. Now Arizona State is such a interesting team to me because their D team was uh, was actually, they faced both UMBC B and Haverford A in our regional. And I think we can both agree that was a good team. Like I was not expecting a D team to be quite that strong. And I was a little surprised to see their A team go five wins with the 14 CS. Like I would have just, you would have kind of guessed when you see a team that's D team is that good. Their A team is probably like crazy good. Um, and I, I don't know what they do over there, whether it's kind of a uh, semi-split stacked uh, for all of their teams or, or whether they're just kind of a very balanced, even program. Um, but I was just kind of intrigued that their their A-team didn't make it through. Um, and I do think that, again, you know, that, that 14 CS is going to be right on the borderline of whether they'll make it or not. Um, I honestly don't remember off the top of my head whether their B or C teams uh, made it straight through with a bid, but just kind of interesting. And I will note that their last, their round four um, was against Florida State, um, and they had a plus 11, minus one, uh, another heartbreaker that, that didn't get them into uh, to Orcs, um, or at least through a, a standard bid. But uh, just kind of an interesting, tough last round. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think we've kind of covered it. Again, this is kind of just a lot of the scratch that we're expecting, I think, and not really anything terrifyingly surprising. Yeah, I only have one other thought here, and this might only be interesting to like the very small number of people who are interested in like tabulation things and how the cards work out and the pairings work out. But you mentioned the two six and O teams, and I'm really glad that you caught that because that means that both of those teams had qualified and and really almost like ultra qualified because it <laughs> is hard to see it, it. It's not super common to see teams get pulled down into that bottom bracket. It's definitely not common to see two teams at regional in a small regional get pulled down to that 
uh, second bracket. But when you look at all of this sort of together, right, the totality of these circumstances of two 6-0 and teams that get pulled down, plus all of these teams with roughly even CS is advancing, and if you look at this regional specifically, there's no outlier CSs. The highest CS we had here was 20 for Davidson College, and then we had one low CS, one single-digit CS at 9 for Quinnipiac. Other than that, every single other CS is normal. Yeah. It's just kind of within the range of what you would expect. And that's fascinating to me because that means you were seeing just kind of a normal tournament that proceeds the way that the tabulation system is probably designed. Mm-hmm. This is the goal, right? This is the goal of how to produce an even tournament where the best teams get through because they have to play the other best teams and the very best team gets a slightly better record, but you see sort of the top teams get through and nobody sneaks through again, not to take anything away from teams that get through Mm -hmm. with a lower CS. But I think we can all be honest that every year, some teams get through with a very low CS who probably aren't as good as several teams that didn't get through with a high CS. We talked about it last year. My C team got through with a very low CS. (laughs) Yeah, and that doesn't mean my C team was bad. They were pretty good last year. But were they better than some teams that didn't get through with an 18 CS? No, they weren't, and there's no reason to pretend otherwise. So I think that was super fascinating to me, and I wonder, this is the last thought I have on anything tabulation, and this is a thought for a different episode, but you know, it's a lot harder to do similar numbered regionals when we're not online, but this reminds me of what AMTA is trying to accomplish with the new Orcs system. Yep, yep. And I wonder if AMTA is going to look at things like this and say, okay, what can we do to preserve the level of balance we have at regionals this mm-hmm. year so that more regionals look like this one? I, I agree. Uh, you know, one thing I, I'm kind of curious is, is a question before we close. Um, if you're the coach of UC Berkeley D, and, you know, I, I don't know whether they are. I actually don't even know if they have a coach or not, but I'm just... You know, as, as a coach, and I start to think about these things, right? If, if you go blind and your team is 6-0 and and you're facing Georgetown and they're all freaking out, they're going, oh, my gosh, like, we must be – if you were going blind, perceived, if you're like, oh, we must be like 4-2, and 3-5, and five, we need to win these battles. We're facing Georgetown, A. Oh, no. Do you think you pull them aside and say, guys, it's all good, relax, have fun, like, don't worry, don't stress, like, you're good. Do you think you'd ever do that? Like, I don't know, I feel like it's, like, the one circumstance where it's, like, I know it seems like you're in trouble and this is really stressful and awful, but maybe it's a way to be, like, look, like, it's actually fine. We're actually chilling. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of a fun, like, aside. I don't know. What would you do, Ben? I wouldn't tell him. <laughs> Not a chance. Um, but... I may, I may be like an evil dictator. Like, you know, you awful person. <laughs> you. Not a, not, not a stone's chance in hell that I would tell him, but that's, uh, you know, I, I think you make a reasonable argument. I will put I it mean, that way. It would probably make them so happy and like lower stress. Like, is that not worth something? No. Cause then they, no matter what, they're getting a trophy and you let them enjoy it one way or the other. I see what you're saying, but it's, you know, the choices that we as coaches have to make. And all I'll say on this topic is I'm delighted that now, like at the beginning of this podcast, right? I remember there's some early episodes yeah, where you're yeah. like, man, coaches, like, I don't, I don't know, right? Like, what are they? And I'm just sitting here like, just wait. Oh, uh, yeah. Just yeah. wait. Look, I think one of these days we're going to, we, we should do a review of one of those first couple like debates on something. I stand by about blind. I think that you shouldn't force kids to go blind. I get the perks of it. I see it. I'm with it. But I also think that, like, you know, there there is, like, whether it's the stress of something like this or just in general, like, I think that the kids deserve to know. Um, and I think that the important thing is as a coach to, to tell them, like, look, some things are helpful, some things aren't. When a judge is, you know, dumb, racist, bigoted, whatever, um, you know, hey, they were an idiot judge. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm sorry. It sucks, but I don't think it's worth going blind over. But I think that that is a debate for another day for us to have. But I've definitely come around with coaching. I will give you that. Um, you know, something about dipping my feet in the water, and you know, now, now I'm all in. At, at the end of the day, all I want to do is someday revisit a topic that we discussed in what yeah. I believe was our preview episode. That was the, the, when I the blind thing talked. Well, we talked about that, but when I talked about. Um, my hatred of challenge format tournaments Um, because I've developed like a whole series of theories on this and why challenge format tournaments are 
like the devil incarnate and need to be eliminated. And I would love to like, you know, make some enemies by talking about that topic. So we can bring it up again soon. I'm sure. I still think they're kind of fun. I see. I think, okay, Ben, I will say this briefly, briefly on this and then we're closing. Um, I do think as someone that like made a lot of relationships with other teams and became friends with a lot of people, I think it would be fun to do them. Like, I think it's fun in premise to do them because you get a chance to face other teams that you want to do. But I will admit that, like, I was pretty disappointed when I went to two tournaments like Shutdown or Gampty where I knew a bunch of the other people that were there. I was friends with them. And then because we were lowly having for that just graduated a bunch of our strength, no one wanted to face us. And so we ended up facing uh, random teams. Although I will say that we still had fun of those tournaments. But So I, I hear your point, but I still think there may be some merit to it. And maybe if we can just stop being so ultra hypersensitive to the competitiveness, maybe it will still, it, 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 maybe it has some potential to be good. Well, I think they're elitist and stupid, but <laughs> we can, they're, they're definitely, we they can discuss this. <laughs> yeah, we can discuss this on another episode. I think that for now we've covered all of our regionals. And as we often say at the end of episodes, if anyone is listening to this point, you are a true champion and we appreciate you very much. So Drew, I am repping this coming weekend. I'm very excited to, uh, get a chance to do that, to see some great teams and to be able to bring a reps perspective to our round three regionals preview uh, or our round three regionals analysis, I should say. Uh, anything you think I missed before we wrap this up? Nope. I think I'm looking forward to seeing some of these results too. Um, I will say that I was uh, definitely excited to see a lot of the results. And this was a lot of teams that, you know, we're both affiliated with, but I'm excited to get into week three to continue to see what these orcs are going to start to look like. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm just excited to be midway through. I agree with you. It's We're halfway through regional season. Thanks, to everybody, as always, for listening. It's great to be with you. We'll be back in your feeds again soon for our week three analysis episode. Until then, this has been The Mock Review with Ben and Drew.